Well, good morning for me too. My name is Vashek. For those of you who don't know me, I'm very excited, very excited to be here. Jeremy, I know Jeremy about, for about 15 years now, and I've known Gospel Life since its inception, so I'm very excited to be here, and this is very honest. GLC doesn't give our church any money, so... Um, <laughs> but I have nothing to lose, so I'll be very honest today with you, okay? <laughs> So Luke chapter 5, and uh, the topic today is what it, means to be, what it means to follow Christ. That's the question, what it means to follow Christ, and maybe addition to it, and not be stuck in a dumb Christianity. That's my sermon today, what it means to follow Christ, and not be stuck in this dumb Christianity. I, and I think we need to hear this passage uh, very closely, because I think... You know, everybody follows something. Whether you're Christian, non-Christian, atheist, everybody follows something. The question is, what are you following? Like, if I ask you today, how would you want your life to look like in five years? Like, imagine yourself, you know, yourself in five years. What would it look like? You know, everybody has plans. You have plans. What would it look like five years from now? You know, PhD, high school, this job, this house, health. You know, and when I was thinking about this passage and for myself and my own church, I was really struck with a sober, I think, reality that a lot of us as Christians, maybe we don't have in front of us Christ, but a future version of ourselves. Like, instead of Looking to Christ, we look to future version of ourselves that has a house, maybe a better house, nicer house, third car, maybe it's just more healthy, not sick anymore, more money, another kid, and we invest into this future. This is what we want to be like, a future version of ourselves that's better than right now. And that's actually what we follow as Christians, this future version of ourselves that just has a better life. And Christianity for us then becomes this side thing we do, side thing that we do. And I think it's really this dumb version of Christianity. And it's, you know, it's, it's in Europe too. It's not just America, it's in Europe too. It's everywhere. It's this half-hearted Christianity that to fill your time, to make your parents happy, maybe to have some more friends, and at the end, it's just about you. Like we are trying to take our old life and fit it together with Christianity. You know, we are—we have our own ways. We know where we are going, and we don't want to change much because we know what our future is like. And Jesus maybe makes it a little more spiritual. And at the end, I think, we just become spiritual unbelievers. Spiritual unbelievers. People who go to church, but follow themselves. Okay, so what does it mean to follow Jesus? I have several points today, and if, you, if you're writing notes, this is the first one. And we're going to get into the text shortly. First point is this, following Christ means 
not following ourselves. Okay, that may sound really obvious. Following Christ means not following ourselves, but it may be so, it may, it's, maybe it's obvious, but the culture tells us differently. You have to look to yourself, look to your beautiful self. I don't know if this happens here, but at our church, from time to time, I'm preaching and somebody comes up or raises their hand. It's really awkward. I had a guy who, who came to me and started asking questions. And like several weeks ago, several weeks ago before we left to here, there was a guy in our church who sat in the front row and kept raising his hand. And I was not preaching, so I didn't care that much. But he was raising his hand. And a guy that I'm training was preaching. And then we spent like three hours talking to this guy. And he hated that we used the word sin and judgment. And that guy made a YouTube video against us. And it was all about, oh, these Christians talking about sin and judgment. But it's all about looking to yourself for answers. Your beautiful self, you have to find strength in yourself. And it's all around us. But the message of the gospel is not that God calls incredible people, but an incredible God calls people. Gospel is not about seeing ourselves, finding ourselves, but God seeing us, finding us. And having mercy. And the text starts like this. This is verse 27. Look there with me. It says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Okay, this is Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. You know, Matthew, Levi, this guy, tax collector, this is a man I want you to understand. And maybe you heard this at church before. This is a man people were afraid of. Like tax collectors are not just this, these people who just sit, uh, sit there and just collect money like a cashier. These people are evil. And people didn't want to look at Matthew. You know, do you know like maybe when you're young, so you remember school. When you're at school and the teacher calls people, like maybe gives a, gives a tough assignment and it looks for people to call out, and you're kind of not looking, trying to avoid, avoid eye contact, not to be called out. It's like that. People didn't want to look at this guy. They didn't want him to see them. You know, I had a, I had a trick that I came up with during high school. Uh, you, can, you, can, you can use that. When teacher calls you out, or trying to call you out, don't look away, cough. Because the teacher is not going to call out the kid who coughs, you know. So, that's a free, that's for, that's for free. But you know, it's this kind of feeling. Like, okay, another one. It's not worth it, but I'll, I'll tell it anyway. So like, when I'm driving here in Minnesota, I'm afraid of cops. Not that they're going to shoot me, but that they're going to stop me and, you know, I don't even know if I have insurance. It's not my car. And so... Anytime, and maybe you have this feeling too, anytime a police car drives behind me, I kind of, you know, switch rows. I kind of try to get away so he's not behind me. I have this feeling, I need to get away. You know, like, I have nothing to hide, I think, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to risk it, you know. And this, the day you visit a tax collector, it's like the day you go to the dentist if you don't have the perfect teeth. It's the worst. You know, the day you visit a tax collector is a scheduled theft of your hard-earned money. The worst day, tax collectors collecting money. And they're not collecting money for parks and recreation. You know, they're collecting money 
for a regime for Rome that was oppressing them. It's like in Ukraine collecting money for a Russian army. It's not good. Financing an army that was occupying them, collecting more than they had to because there was the only incentive for them to do it. And Rome told them, you can collect more than is required and you can keep it. So they're stealing money. And you know, they, and it was their own people, traitors. You know, it had to be one of their own because how else do you know where the money are? There are no bank accounts. And they hired their neighbors. You know, who else knows you're better off than your neighbor? It's like, Justin, huh? A bath, a hot tub. Must be nice. <laughs> you know, I got it for baptisms. <laughs> now, so these, those are neighbors. Because they know, you know, if you, if you get a third car, they know. And so these tax collectors are neighbors because they know, you know, you got the third camel, uh, you should give some money. Traitors, neighbors. And Bible has its own category. It says sinners and tax collectors. Like they're sinners and there are th these people. Like they're sinners and they're these people who drive slower than the speed limit. You know, they're just like special, there's a special category <laughs> for people. And the text goes, this is, and we're going to be in this verse the most, okay, 27. And the verse says, Jesus saw him. And it's not just, oh, hey, look, there's Matthew. He looked upon him intentionally, and that's important. People, other people don't, don't pay attention to or ignoring on purpose, Jesus sees. He pays attention and even tells them to follow him. And the question may be, well, why him? Why this guy? You may as well ask, why me? But the answer is not found in the tax collector because there's nothing in him that will answer it. The answer is not found in the tax collector but in Christ. And it is said when we end up with this version of Christianity that's really just about following ourselves. Where the focus is on us. A life where we do just still do whatever we want, just like everybody else, but maybe act more spiritually. It's just about us, and we're the same like others. And we put Christian sticker on it. You know, we, you know we're good at using spiritual language about stuff. You know, we, we say, instead of I chose this job, God has led me to this job. And uh, the, the, his, his sign was, that was a bigger pay. <laughs> instead of I need a vacation, God wants me to rest. Instead of you are out of my league, God wants me to marry you. <laughs> can you, can you abuse it. Instead of telling people to leave, our house, we say, how can I pray for you? You know, <laughs> it's, you know we have our own language. It makes us more spiritual. You know, Bible is our spiritual Instagram. We kind of scroll things. We like what we like. We kind of scroll what we don't like. That's why we need to preach through books of the Bible, and that's why Gospel Life does it. 
So we don't scroll through things and just like what we like. We actually pay attention. And maybe we start to think that God really needs us, not that we need him. We pick the right God. And he said to him, this is the verse, follow who? Follow me. You know, I want you to know that Jesus sees you. And he says the same thing. Maybe you're not sitting in a tax booth. Maybe you're sitting in your dreams about your future, finishing school, whatever, getting this kind of job, future where everything will be fine. You'll be healthy. Somebody you know will be healthy. Maybe when you maybe finally have some peace, maybe you sit in your house, office, church, and Christ comes into it and sees you and says, follow me. Which leads me to my second point. Okay, first point, not following ourselves. Second point, following Christ means following a person. Following a person. And this is, I want you to see this today very clearly. Maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not. Maybe for a lot of us, it's, it's a distant idea, okay? We do not follow a system or just a teaching or religion, but a living person. And I have a tendency myself to follow a system, you know, a system that works, a system I can study, a system I can use to answer tough questions, But Christianity is about following a real, living person. All of our teaching, all of our talking, all of our practice, it's about knowing this person better. Real God, not a concept, not a system. Do we get this? Not just in our head, you know, but in our heart. Or has Christianity become a system we can study or something that helps us fill our time, give us a little more sense, give us friends, security, you know, security, I'm right, they're wrong. It's about a person. Let me read this again. And after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, sitting at the tax booth, and he said, follow, and he said to him, follow me. And listen to this verse, it's, It's hard. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And I had this verse on my mind for a long time now. It's deep. Like Jesus sees Levi, Matthew, somebody nobody, nobody wanted to see. Definitely nobody wanted to talk to him. And told him, follow me. And the text says, listen, this is not hyperbole. Leaving everything, he rose and followed him. He left his shop, he left who he is, left any kind of certainty and followed him. And my question is, my question is this, like what did Matthew see that made him do it? What did he see that made him do it? Did Jesus bring a lot of books? I says, follow me, look, Jay Carson. Did Jesus put forth really good argument? 
Everything that begins to exist has a cause. Matthew, Matthew, that's logical. Did Jesus promise Matthew life will get better? You'll have more money, you'll be healthy, you finally will have some friends, you know, 11 others. What did Matthew see? He saw a person. He saw Jesus, and he was worth everything. And listen, in church, we can be easily trained. We can be easily trained just to give the right answers and be fooled we actually believe them. Like the church experience is like me going to Starbucks. You know I hate going to Starbucks in America and Chick-fil-A too. You know why? Because they ask for my name. I'm like, every time I give them my name, they're like, what? (laughs) And everybody who has a weird name knows this, okay? So what do I do? I say, my name is Jeremy. (laughs) It's true. My my wife can testify to that. You know, it's easier to (laughs) just say Jeremy. Even though last time I checked, I said Jeremy, and she didn't understand me. But... So maybe me, but but it's easy to say Jeremy, you know, and that's why I like McDonald's better. They just give you a number. Why? Why is you know? Why is it? Why do they make it so personal? I go to Starbucks to be alone, and you know they're people, but I don't want to talk to them. So just give me a number. But we can be like this in church too, right? It's easier to say, you know, Jesus or whatever. I believe. Because it's awkward to say what you really believe, what you're really feeling, that you have real doubts. Everybody's so cool. They have their answers ready, and they're fooled. They become fools themselves. And you know, people fall away all the time. It's hard, especially when you're planning a church. Like, our church is very similar to this one. It's hard to lose people when you're not, you know, a thousand people. Because you know they're not there. You know they fell away. People fall away all the time. They fall away from church probably because they have their own idea what the church is supposed to be. They like their own style of teaching, leaders, music. But the church fails all the time, makes mistakes. People fall away because they had their own idea how everybody has to act towards them and they didn't get it. But people fail all the time. They sin. You know, Christianity without Christ is dumb. I don't know why would you go to church not believing in Christ and sing songs about him. Like, I, I would rewatch the game last night probably, you know, if I wasn't a Christian. I wouldn't go to church and sing songs about Jesus. So why do you? But if you are here in this church together because of one thing, it's not the guy in front. It's not the band. It's not the donuts. It's not the coffee. It's Jesus Christ. And we follow him. We follow him together, but we follow him. And, you know, our role as teachers, mine, Jeremy's, the elders here, is very simple. A very simple role. 
is to show you that Jesus Christ is the best thing you can have. Is the best thing you can have. Tell you who is he like. How this book talks about him on every page. He's all we need. Our entire theology, our study, so everything leads to him, leads to, him to a person. No, not information, sense of being better, not to feel super religious. Why did Matthew follow him? What did he see? What did Jesus show him? Himself. And that was enough. It leads me to the third point, and that is this. You know, we're still in the verse 27 and 28. And this is, you know, as I told you, we're not going to spend as much time as the other verses. But my third point is this. Following Christ means giving up everything that is stopping us from following him. Giving up everything that is stopping us from following him. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. We, li- we all live for something. Okay? We all live for something. We're following something, something we believe in, something we think is worth it. And when you meet Jesus for real, you start to see the vanity and everything else. Like what if, let's say, let's say what if you know, the communion table would be here. Okay, let's imagine that there's a big table for you. For those of you who are here for the first time, normally there's a big table. And I would spread, let's say, 50 white papers on this communion table. Okay, 50, let's say 100. 100 white papers. And in the middle, I would put a $100 bill. And I told you, form the line, come and pick one paper. And every time somebody picks the $100 bill, you know, because I'm really rich, I would just... You know, this is not Vashek's dollars. It's real dollars. I would put another one. $100 bill, 50 blank white papers. What would you pick? And this is not a trick. You know, it's not a trick. It's not a question of ethics, like, what do we, you know. Just pick whatever you want. Nobody's going to judge you. You would be really dumb if you would put anything but the $100 bill. You know, like, we're in America. Nobody picks the white paper. You know, why? Because we see the value, right? We see that the value is so obviously bigger than everything else. And that is the point. That is the point of the story. Matthew, okay, Matthew sees Jesus and everything else becomes white paper. This is what's happening. And everything else becomes white paper. It would be dumb to choose anything else. It would be dumb to still sit in the tax booth. We think it's crazy right now to leave everything he had, to give up everything that was stopping from following him, but it's not dumb. The opposite would be very stupid. And this type of Christianity doesn't get it. It always tries to see where's the line. You know, I, just, I get this question all the time. I start to do this Q&A videos where I, people will send me emails with questions, and on video I'll answer them. And it's like 80% about sex. <laughs> That's what people ask the most. But it's always, how far can I go? Where's the line in dating? How, how much should I give? It's always this type of question. How far? How much? What can I still do and still call myself a Christian? What is allowed? You know, Jesus doesn't listen to this much. 
to things like, I will follow you, but let me do this first. Does not really work well with Jesus, it seems. But we say that all the time. Maybe not out loud. We say things like, I will follow you, but only if you make me healthy. I will start praying when I'm this. I will start giving when. I will follow you, but only if I'm not afraid anymore. I, I will follow you, but I'm not going to be involved in church that much. I will follow you, but it will not touch my money. I will follow you, but I'm not stopping doing whatever sinful thing I'm doing. I will follow you, but if, you only, if only you give me a spouse and a good one. I will follow you, but only if you show me a miracle. You know, and some of these may seem like good reasons, but they're not in light, of, in light of what we are actually saying. It's like saying, I will follow you, but first you must follow me. True follower doesn't say bud. It says, he says, her, and that's why. I will follow you, and that's why I'm changing the way I deal with money. I will follow you, and that's why I'm not putting all my hope in health. I will follow you, and that's why I will do it together with others. I will follow you, and that's why I can bear hard times. True follower asks, what can I use to follow you? What is stopping me to follow you? What can I give up? You're more valuable than everything else. You know, it's activity, really. It means there's nothing more precious than you. Around you, I orient everything else. You're the center of the gravity. And we learn together what it means in everyday life. This is, you know, what gospel life is. How does he and what he did changes everything about my life? Okay. Point number five. I'll move in the story. Following Christ means inviting others to do the same. Following Christ means inviting others to do the same. Listen to the verse 29. And Levi, now this is right after, made him great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. What does Matthew do next? Party. Now it's biblical. You should do more of those. Do them better than just grape juice and whatever you guys do here. But this is, we can see this everywhere, right? Woman at the well. Come see the man who told me everything I have ever done. You have to see this guy. And Matthew celebrates Jesus and what he does, invites others so they can meet with him as well. You know, his friends, tax collectors, sinners. You know, these are the gangsters. These are the kinds of people that would not go through metal detectors successfully. But if Jesus, you know, this is the, this is the conviction. If Jesus can call me, he can call anyone. If Jesus can call me, he can call anyone. You have to meet with him. And he made a great feast in his house. And there's a large company of tax collectors. This is like the most hated group in a city at one place. You know, to follow Christ really means to have Christ in your life. So others would see him, hear about him, be invited to follow him as well. All kinds of people. 
You know, these may be the worst people in the town, and Jesus is there. And actually, the people who hated him the most were the religious ones. Polished lies, because to them, he was the biggest threat. They had to change too much. Inviting others. You know, it's like the quote, if you have enough Christ just for yourself, maybe you don't even have that much. True following breaks the barriers between people. If God can love me, he can love anyone. If God can love me, he can love anyone. Point number six. Following Christ means people will not like it. Following Christ means people will not like it. Listen, if you never experience hostility towards your faith, maybe you don't even live it out. You don't live out what you believe much. You know, I'm not saying you have to be over-the-top jerk in what you believe. You know, but are you talking? You know, are you talking about what you believe out loud using your mouth? Maybe you live it out and you're fooled again because you live it out only in front of your church people, your Christian friends, and they know how super Christian you are, but nobody else knows. Verse 30, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled. Oh, they were angry. And there's a party, people getting saved. And the religious people are angry. At the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? People grumble. How can you believe these things? You're a Christian and you're behaving like this? You're acting like this? You're with people like this? Christians are the worst. You know, Jesus answers them. That's interesting. This is, listen to what he says. This is verse 31 and 32. And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick... I have not come to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I love his answer. What he tells them. What does he tell them? He tells them this. You know, they're asking, why are you with these people? And Jesus tells them, because they need me. Because they need me. And isn't that the primary reason why we do missions? Why we do church planting? Why we do everything? Why we do this too? People need Jesus. That's our basic conviction. People need Jesus. And the point is not that Pharisees are healthy and others are sick. Pharisees thought they're healthy, but were as sick as others. Why are you with people like these? Because these people are the people who need me. And maybe in our thinking, we became closer to Pharisees actually than the other people. We have a false idea that we're the moral and healthy ones and that the, our society is kind of like nice and moral and they don't really, like what they really need is this like good argument but like not really Jesus. It's kind of awkward. So we never tell them about him. We're not sharing our faith mostly because we're not that convicted people really need Jesus. You know, I, I feel that lots of times. My fa- my, all, all my family... It's not Christian. I was like, there's no way if I just tell them about Jesus, they will believe. They need, to, they need to hear something else. They need to hear something like smart or like they need some other people to kind of convince them. You 
do people need him? You have to answer for yourself if you believe this. Do people need Jesus? And the Pharisees see this. Pharisees, are the religious people, are standing there and they do not get the scandal of grace. They work their whole life to be good with God, to be the most religious, but the text is saying, and they're wasted their time. God calls everyone, welcomes everyone, calls people to repentance and trust. And listen, if you think you deserve, if you think you deserve a relationship with God on your own merit, you, automatically, you will automatically see others who you think do not deserve it because they are not like you. They do not like this message. God is too loving, too gracious. True God would be, not be friends with such people. They even tell them, and they said to him, after he tells them this, these people need me. And they said, disciples of John fast often and offer prayers and told the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. They're not like us. You know, we didn't like the other guys either. But at least they're kind of like us more. Point number seven. Hey, last point. Following Christ means to be ready to grow and change things up. Okay, ready to grow and change things up. Let me finish with this Jesus' parable. We're kind of weird. I don't know if it's weird to me. Every time I read this wineskins parable, I never really understood. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it's like I kind of always skipped it. But uh, it's, impo- it's really important. That's why I included it, okay? And he, he, he tells them a parable. No one tears a piece No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts a new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But the new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking the old wine, desires new, for he says the old is good. And the point is this. It's actually not a very difficult point. The point is this. Something new is coming. Something new has come. Christ is coming. Christ has come. The old system of things does not fit and cannot fit. You cannot have Christ in your own system. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It does not work. You cannot do two things, serve two masters. You kind of have your old life here, and then Christ here, kind of like your spiritual guide, making your old life a little more spiritual. It doesn't work. Pharisees had their own ways. You know, even the, the parable ends weirdly, and the, no one after drinking the old wine desires the new, for he says the old is good. The Pharisees were kind of the connoisseurs of the old. You know, old whiskey is better. Old wine is better. I have no desire to try anything new, you know. Lagavulin 4, no thank you. I stick with my 16. And Jesus is coming, and the Pharisees are like, eh, we like our old. How can we have you but not really change anything about our old? And Jesus says, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's like us, right? My life is perfectly planned. Thank you very much. How can I have you and not change things up? It's kind of... A lot of people's question. 
you know, you, your teaching looks like it means we have to change a lot of our life. I don't like that. You know, can I follow you and not change too much? You know, most people do not want to follow God. They want to follow them. They want God to follow them. Maybe some of you today are trying to fit Christ into your old life like a spiritual inspiration, spiritual guide, helper, and it doesn't work, it looks dumb. And you should either commit or leave. I think you have two questions in front of you today. Okay, choose one. Choose one. First is this. How does Christ fit into my ideas and dreams about my future? That's question one. How does Christ fit into my ideas and dreams about my future? Or how does Christ change my ideas and dreams about my future? Which one will you ask? Which one do you want to ask? I'll tell you this. Christ is better than your idea of a good life or a good future without him. He is better. We follow a real person in a world. The Bible tells us this is a world that was created through him and for him. Following anything else is nonsense. It doesn't make sense. It's not going to make your life whole. You're not going to find peace. Because there is no peace and meaning apart from the one the world is created for. We follow someone who we believe is 100% for us because he gave everything for us. So we can live something better for him. You know, if you decide to follow anything else, money, career, safety, health, at the end, at the end you will have to die for it. And you will. There's only one who died for you. Christ takes place of sinners. He gets death so we can get life. And Christ says, follow me. And then he goes first. He says, follow me into a new life. They will start actually with a celebration feast with them and others who are loved the same as us. If anyone or anything is worth being in the center of our life or to follow, it's him. And I implore you today, ask the second question. Ask the second question, how can Christ change me? Ask that. I'll pray for you today. At the end, I'll pray in Czech, my own language. It's not tongues, so don't feel like you have. To, don't if you have that gift, don't feel like you can join. Uh, I'll finish with that. Čo děkuji za Gospel Life Church. Děkuji za to, co děláš. Prosím tě, aby to, co jsme dneska četli o následování tebe, aby stalo skutečností pro tenhle zbor, aby lidi byli přesvědčeni skutečně následovat. Tebe, aby nebyli staženi do hloupé verze křesťanství, kde následují sebe, dělají věci podle sebe a ty jsi jenom další přídavná věc do toho života, ale aby ty se stal centrem života, kolem kterého se všechno ostatní točí. Tak tě prosím, aby stole tady působil, aby tady takhle pracoval. Amen.